come from the net? Blogs, websites, podcasts, to this place. The, the Mainframe Main Chronicle. Chronicle. Our format, podcasting. To analyze and discuss. To discuss the shows below. Their strengths and flaws. We discuss them until our job day. Frisket? Not good! This is not good! It's an infinite data acid flu. What's that? It means run like you've never run before! say the listener lives outside the net and listens to the podcast no one knows for sure but, but we intend to find out mainframe chronicle hello and welcome back to mainframe chronicle podcast i am daniel james and i'm joy morris and we're back with season two in the new year getting it started off how you been, man? I've been pretty well. Um, I started a new job, moved to a new city. I, I work at the Capitol building, so that makes me feel far more important than I really am. Well, that's but, exciting. Uh, I know, and I have to wear a tie every day, so that's kind of a bum, but uh, I like it. I like it a lot, so I'm pretty excited. What about you, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm currently looking for jobs. Uh, I got a couple leads right now. Uh, hopefully have more by the time, you know. We get back here. So, yeah, things are good. Are you, like jobs in your field, or are you just looking for something to tie you over? Right now, I'm just looking for anything that will give me money. Uh, Fair enough. I'm going to check out the radio stations in town, see what they've got. So, do more of this kind of thing, but get money for it. Well, well you don't know, podcast pay enough? I mean, seriously. I, so far, I've made nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so, you know. One day, maybe, but we'll have to see. I mean, see. Kevin Smith seems to be able to do it. I don't know why you couldn't. Well, yeah. Uh, probably <laughs> biggest difference there is, like, people actually know who he is. <laughs> and we'll go out and see him and pay money to see him. 
Well, you could fund a movie that only costs seventy five hundred bucks or twenty seven thousand dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. I have that many credit cards. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm excited to be back. I mean, we've got a couple awesome episodes. I mean, season two, we'll get into that, but it just already seems like diametrically different in so many mm-hmm. different ways. So I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a good season. Um, so yeah, in in our show notes, we have a little graphic of the different sectors of mainframe. So we just thought we'd go through and give a little rundown of those for anybody who isn't knowledgeable about those. I'm thinking we'll uh, start at the top and work our way clockwise. Sure, because it is a circle. I don't know if you remember or you see from the um, it, you know the intro, but it mainframe is as a perfect circle. So these mm. are all slices of pie. Yeah, mm, pie. <laughs> so, what yeah. is your favorite? Uh, favorite pie. Uh, every year for my birthday, for the past several years, my mom has gotten me a really nice, thick, rich peanut butter pie, which is mm. just fantastic. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm a fan of peanut butter, so. Do you remember when we were in Australia and we wanted to do an American Thanksgiving and we had somebody make a pumpkin pie from pumpkins, which I know sounds stupid, but... I've never really thought about the fact that you could take a pumpkin and make it into a pie. It was really complicated. Yeah. That was that was a good meal. That was a good that meal. You threw together. Mostly. Well, I mean, our entire room did, but it was it was awesome. But yeah, it was weird because normally you just go to the store and you get pumpkin pie filling, but they didn't have that there, so they had to actually cut it to get cut the pumpkin up and boil it down. So forever and ever that'll be my favorite pie just because of the amount of work that it took to make it happen. Yeah, it was delicious. So yeah. But any- anyways, so back to mainframe. <laughs> back to the pie of mainframe. So yeah, the northern section, well, north on this picture, top section is the Beverly Hills sector, which is the you know posh area of mainframe where all the rich people like Mr. Mitchell live. Yeah, it's pretty appropriately named, I think. Yeah. I thought it was pretty clever. And then going clockwise, we have the Wall Street sector, which also appropriately named is the downtown business sector. A lot of skyscrapers that we see fall down from time to time when things are going down. So, My guess is that Dot has her nose into almost every faction of that sector. Yeah, she's, she tends to get around. In not so many ways. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just saying, because every time we know more about Dot, she is an expert in something else. So I'm sure she's been around Wall Street. Yep. So the next sector we have is Getty Prime, or G Prime, as they call it in the hood. Uh, This is the industrial sector where uh, that Megabyte took over. And that's... On the outer rim is where the tour is, his silicon tour, where yep. he rules with a mighty iron fist over and wolf the claws. But we'll get to that. <laughs> and Al's wait and eat diner is there. Uh, that's about all we know about Getty Prime at this point. Mm-hmm. And then opposite of Beverly Hills is Broadway. We, this is the main business shopping and entertainment district. This is where Dot's Diner is. Dot and Enzo live there. It's where the Algorithm Theater is. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff takes place there. And we, I mean, we see most everything we see is, is, is well, not everything, but a lot of it is is in Broadway. I think because we spend a lot of time at the diner and mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah. So following that, we got the Kits sector. That's where Bob lives. It's a main residential district. It's also where the uh, saucy mare comes up. First time yep. we see that in the Crimson Binome. It's a, it's a pretty fun place. But the most fun place, I'd say, would be Floating Point Park, which is just a giant park. There's no buildings. And, yeah, it's just a giant, like, reserve area. 
I think that'd be fun to visit. I mean, it really seems like Mainframe has a little bit of everything. You know, it yeah, even has a little awesome. Central Park-esque area. Yeah. And then between Floating Point Park and the Kit Sector is the where the Gilded Gate Bridge is located that takes us to Lost Angles. I was wondering where that was. I didn't I wasn't sure. Yeah. It's good good stuff there. So quick overview of mainframe for those of us who haven't necessarily thought about where things are. Now we have a map. And obviously in the center of the big pie is the principal office, the giant globe where Fong hangs out and takes care of business. Yep. Does his Fong like things. Yeah. Gives good advice and wiseness to the younglings. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. I never really thought about it, um, in like uh, in terms of a map and stuff. But I remember like uh, reading when I was reading the Lord of the Rings, uh, like way back in middle school. I had to constantly go back to their map what was going on. So I think, in in ways, this will help. Um, understanding mainframe you know you can see the different sections of the pie and stuff so yeah it, it doesn't really hurt you to not understand the geography of mainframe but it it's just you know adds a little bit to the experience i think sure. I, I i agree i agree joey why don't you uh take us into the first episode of season two glitch electropulse If it's cat and mouse, Bob, maybe we need some cheese. Glitch! Uh, energy shield! Glitch! Anything! Like falling off an analog. Um, yeah, so we're gonna talk about episode 2.1, Infected. Uh, the original air date was August 31st, 1995. It was a written by Martin Boricky, if that's how you pronounce that. And the story was by our standbys, Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Lane Reichert. The summary is Megabyte discusses him, er, the summary is Megabyte disguises himself as a system upgrade from the user and manages to get into the core of the mainframe. As usual, Bob manages to save the day by using Megabyte's greed against him. Uh, this was the first appearance of the Wolverine Claws, which I think are pretty awesome, and uh, the CPU General. So, Dan, what did you think about this episode? I enjoyed it. I think it was a very strong beginning to Season 2, uh, coming off of the Identity Crisis 2-parter. Yeah, it, it was good. It didn't show off Megabyte right away kind of tricked us into thinking you know things were okay and then turns out he's you know the system upgrade they're looking for yeah yeah i, I immediately and i don't know about you but and, and i don't know the specifics behind this and if i were a better podcaster i probably would know but immediately i thought the graphics were beautiful like more bright the camera shots were different just overall like you can tell the difference between season one and season two yeah, totally. Black and white, almost. How different it is. But no, I, I did appreciate the bait and switch with Megabyte. It was pretty clear, though I didn't really catch it before it happened. But as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, that's obvious. Like, that, yeah. you know, that, that's a good Megabyte ploy, you know. Mm. Yeah, you know one one thing I noticed because they do, uh, and you would know more about this um, since you you know more about like film, but they have those. I, I feel like they use camera angles different. They would do um, like longer shots. You would see more going on, like more scenery and stuff. Um, and that was different from the first season. Did you notice that? Yeah, I definitely did. There was definitely more like of the tracking shots, yeah, quote unquote, where the camera seems to move, which I guess is what i'll call it because it's animation and they're not actually tracking the camera but you know you definitely see more of that in this episode and the next one for sure yeah and i i notice in these you call them tracking shots right like the longer shots where you see stuff but uh, I, I noticed that you, you would see you can obviously see the difference between megabyte sectors and 
sectors that, um, you know, were, were part of mainframe. Like they would have, you could just tell the difference. And I thought that was really good, nice detail. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely a huge step up from season one is the amount of detail they have in the backgrounds and stuff like that. It's just so great. Imagine what they could do nowadays. Oh my gosh. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't even know that it was computer animated probably. (laughs) Yeah. it'd, It'd be pretty awesome. Cool. What did you What did you think of when Megabyte came out of the box and attacked Fong? Like, what was your reaction? I was like, ah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. I thought I thought it was ra- rather difficult to see Fong get hurt. Like, it really bothered me. <laughs> yeah, although him trying to open the box, the upgrade is really funny. He's just struggling <laughs> h- really hard. <laughs> well, he's not the biggest sprite in town. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. But um, when when Fong was getting thrown around, I I kind of had this flashback to uh, Power Rangers. I think it was one of the movies when they walked in and Zordon, like in his case, it was cracked and the water was leaking. Do you remember that at all? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, just kind of gave me that image of like you know your your wise master being hurt and you know just really struck the chord of that six-year-old inner me but uh (laughs) they did a good job yeah now it's definitely always difficult seeing the you know wise master get hurt even when they're not old like phil colson in the avengers spoiler alert Oh gosh, you couldn't. I mean, who would have heard that Phil Coulson had something happen in Avengers? You never saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> so there's one shot where it had a little cleaning droid being chased by the flying discs that Megabyte threw out, and the chasing oh, the, the pong things. Yeah, that totally reminded me of Wally when you know Wally's running around being chased by all the security droids, and then the little Mo guys cleaning up behind him i don't know why it just reminded me of that scene a little bit i've never seen wally is it pretty good really oh man you should go see wally i might i wanted to start spelling my name like that like (laughs) j-o-dash-e but i wasn't sure if people would get that oh i'm sure they would but i don't don't know if they'd approve (laughs) sure Uh, that'd be fun I, I thought it was interesting how after the, you know, the um, after they did the upgrade and the principal office still had the um, shield around it and everything. And then and the CPU general was trying to figure out what was going on. You know, apparently, if you're just a humanoid sprite, you're in charge of everything because he tells Enzo to keep everybody calm. Like it's it's the job of this nine-year-old you know in our terms to keep everybody calm it was just i don't know if you're humanoid sprite you're just god to mainframe apparently yeah uh this this is one thing that i noticed that i don't know if you caught on with but there was a lot of green in this episode like i did not notice that it seemed like there was a lot of tinting making it look greener than it should uh, I think the shield was green, and so yeah, it was just a lot of green that I noticed. And then when Fong's lesson comes up and he's like, "Use his greed," I'm like, "Ah, green and ah, uh, green with everything." Yes, that's true. I never thought about that. See, that's the beauty of mainframe or you know, of reboot. It just has all these awesome, subtle ways of encouraging their plot. I just love it. Yeah, it's good times. Um, what did you think of, I know we're skipping around here, but when Dot got in the fight with Megabyte with that exoskeleton, like that was a pretty good fight. And I just love how Dot basically, you know, backhanded Megabyte with that exoskeleton. How often you get to do that? Not, not very often, but yeah, it was definitely cool. Uh, exoskeleton suit is obviously a reference to a lot of things, most notably Alien. Sure. Where Ripley gets in one of those and beats the crap out of some aliens. And uh, the alien queen herself. So I mean that was yeah. that was an awesome moment. But no, it that worked out well for Dot. One thing I noticed about the exoskeleton suit, which probably isn't a reference, but it 
that I, I noticed is that one of the arms is resembles a T-Rex jaw and the other is er, and the exoskeleton has a tail. So it kind of reminded me of Megatron from Beast Wars where one That's arm actually, is the T-Rex Yeah, that's jaw. pretty cool. So, I wonder if that was intentional or not. I'm I sure mean, it was. This is well before they did Beast Wars. So mm. I, I don't know if it's connected in any way apart from the same guys did the animation for both. But sure. it, it was just a neat little thing that I noticed. Now, one thing I did both. notice that I thought was cool with the whole exoskeleton fact uh, uh, was when Dot was squishing Megabyte. You know, all of a sudden he had red eyes and they were, you know, going out as it was getting crushed. And I think that was a uh, reference to Terminator. I mean, yeah. do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Because, I mean, that's something I really remember as a kid watching Terminator was that scene with the lights, you know, those red dots going out. I think it was just very um, iconic. So I thought that worked out really well with Megabyte. Totally, yeah. And then uh, he also, when he activates the self-destruct command, he opens up a little gadget thing on his arm that is reminiscent of Predator. You know, I've never seen Predator. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen it all the way through, but I've seen most of it at least once. You know, I I love to point out when Megabyte and Bob do something so insanely stupid because both of them are smart and intelligent and they do awesome things. And then they always just have this little little bit of a thing that they let go and, and the whole plan foils like, you know, Megabyte has Bob captured by Dot and her exoskeleton, and he doesn't think, oh, well, maybe we should apprehend Glitch. You know, like, right. I mean, that's obviously Bob's sole power in this world is Glitch. So, you know, Even you if do he doesn't something know because... how to use it. Sometimes. Oh, I hate that. Glitch, do anything. something, anything. I, that always frustrates me. Like, <laughs> come on, Bob, uh... you have unlimited power in front of you. Use your brain. But, I mean, it is a kid's show, let's be honest, but that frustrates me a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one um, good example of the uh, definite improvement of the graphics is at one point Enzo is kind of like faded out and you can see the diner through him and it, it's just it's a really great shot and it that's definitely true. shows the improvement of graphics. I wonder how difficult that would be, you know, to take your character and then make them see through, like, in computer animated. It yeah. probably is complicated. I'm sure it is. I'm I'm not into animation, well, doing animation much, so I don't really know how complicated, but I can just imagine how ridiculous it yeah. would be. Absolutely. So I'm just going to jump into this. What do you think of the foreshadowing between Hex and uh, Megabyte? Yeah, this is the first reveal that, you know, they're related. It, it's pretty... The the sh- the scene is really dr- melodramatic, which just reminded me that it's a kid's show, but... Oh, of course, yes. Like, it, I think it was cool that they managed to hold off till season two to, do, to reveal that. Do you think it was, in te- like, they planned that in the beginning, that they were going to be related? I'd like to say yes, but I don't. I don't know if they yeah. actually did. I'll, I'll give them well, the credit for it though, just because I like the show and I like them. So, I, I feel like, and I think you pointed it out that, um, just in the way that they are, Megabyte and Hexadecimal are such polar opposites. You know, one is chaos and one wants to control everything, and they're just so diametrically different. And I love that. Um, and I think that's perfect when you think about the fact that they're related. Yeah. And then when you find out how they're related, I think, you know, later seasons or later shows, uh, it's even more obvious that that really fits well. Yeah, just another stroke of genius from the minds of mainframe. So, yeah. Do you want to go into different lines that you enjoyed, or do you have anything totally. else that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I'm good on notes. We can get to the quotes. Sweet. Um, I think my favorite was just, I, th- I think it was just Enzo, and he just goes, oh, random, you know, which is obviously, you know, like, oh, crap, oh, or yeah. something like that. But random in this universe is terrible. You know, nothing should be random. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yep, good use of slang there. 
Uh, one of the lines was, if it's a cat and mouse game you want, Bob, then maybe we need some cheese. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you got plenty of that in that line there, so... <laughs> And the whole show, really, let's be honest. But yeah. yeah, specifically in that line, you're right. That That's you're one right. of those that's not very well done. That It's just, it's there, it's it's okay, but eh. Yeah, it gets the job done. And then what, what do you think of uh, Fong's little catchphrase there, zip, zip, zoom? Yeah, the zip, zip, zoom command <laughs> that gets them out of there safely. I love it. <laughs> I love it when Fong says, like, random stuff like that. It, it's it's really... Because he's always so, you know, prim and proper and wise. And then he says something like, yada, yada, yada. Or zip, zip, zoom. And it's well, like, wait, what? It's just such a good tool by, like, a creator to do something like that. Well, like, one of the best parts of Dumbledore, I think, you know, as a character, is that his favorite candies are lemon drops. And that's, you know, all this, like, small little things. You know, he thinks his biggest accomplishment is getting on the chocolate frog, you know, yeah. just stuff like that. And it's just really awesome when you take a character that is so powerful and so wise and then humanize them with such a small thing. So, I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, and I think that's good writing on, on their part for Fong. Very much so. And it only took us 25 minutes to get to a Harry Potter reference. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. <laughs> no, that's totally cool. Harry Potter is totally worth it. Uh, the, yeah, the last quote I have is, I think it's Dot who says, I'm sorry, Bob, I can't control myself. And he just kind of looks at the camera and says, funny. I've always known that. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. Uh, that was Great, great cheesy moment. I love and it. And it worked really well with those characters, and it's, you know, quotable, and yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So, why don't we get to rating this episode, unless you've got something else to say. No, I think that was all the things that I had to say. Cool. Dear child, leave me. I can't. You must to save yourself. And mainframe, I order you zip, zip, zoom. I think that this episode was very strong. Great comeback into the second season. A lot of improvements in uh, animation style and graphics. So I'm going to give it an eight, eight upgrades. Oh, there you go. That's good. Um, I think I'm I'm the same boat. I you know I I loved first season. I love everything about reboot. Don't get me wrong, but it was just such a nice surprise to see the level of professionalism that upgraded, uh, <laughs> upgraded uh, <laughs> into the second season here. So I'm also going to give it eight, but I'm going to give it eight energy shakes. Nice. Which uh, I thought was pretty cool because in I don't even think in what 1995 when this came out <laughs> that they had energy drinks or anything like that. So I think that was kind of a new thing for them. Yeah, definitely not to the extent that we have today. But yeah, I'm not sure. I, I you know, I was five at the time, so I, I don't know. But I don't think that it was a big thing. Yeah, I don't think so either. So yeah, I guess we'll uh, move on to episode two point oh two. Danny, want to take this one away? Totally. <sighs> Just as I thought. Well, what is it? Is it like a killer Codemaster guardian destroying energy-eating virus? Something that'll keep replicating and replicating till it takes over Bob's entire body? Huh? Huh? We are not quite so fortunate. What? Such a virus we could deal with. What we have here is an ultra-high-density near-field time-lock mechanism. Great! Well, how can we get rid of it? I am afraid that is impossible. It can only be removed by a Codemaster. Only by a Codemaster? Mega bummer! Without Glitch, we might as well kiss our bitmaps goodbye. Thanks a lot. Sorry, Bob, but I've seen that Codemaster in action. 
Rocky's Offline City! Titled High Code. Originally aired on September 7th, 1995. Written by Martin Boricki again. And story by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Lane Reichert. This episode, uh, Codemaster Lens arrives in mainframe to find Codemaster Talon and challenge him to a duel. After a fun western game, Bob learns that Old Man Pearson was once called Codemaster Talon. The gang interferes The gang interferes with the duel and Lens leaves due to their disgusting display of honor. We have the uh, first appearance of Lens the Codemaster. We have the first appearance of any Codemaster that we know of and we get the reveal that Old Man Pearson once was a Codemaster. Which I thought was amazing. I love. Is that considered retcon when you add something to that? Uh, no, not necessarily. No. Retconning is more like if we said, you know, he was just an ordinary binome that has lived in mainframe his whole life, and then we went back and said, actually, he was a codemaster. So retconning is like changing the continuity. Okay, so because we never said specifically that he was just an ordinary binome, this wouldn't be considered retcon. This is just adding to his character. Yes, that's my understanding okay. at least. All right. Well, I thought that was awesome, um, and it kind of made sense. And I love Old Man Pearson, and I can see him because he's so cranky anyway. Yeah. So I can see him being a code master. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool seeing Lens and Talon looking at our. Uh, next to each other kind of going back and forth and seeing how similar they are but yet really different absolutely what did you think of lens overall like his just his attitude and what he looked like i think he's the creepiest villain we've had on the show so far oh hands down i mean he was amazing i, I mean he looked like something out of what we've we been referencing alien and predator i mean he was yeah. incredible yeah, I have a note that he that reminded me of Predator and that he had that kind of feel to him. Yeah. Well, so. And I think it was cool, too, to that we learned, you know, because we didn't know in the beginning, but we learned that, you know, a Codemaster doesn't necessarily have to be that that race. You know, it's, it's a title and you can be anything. And he just happens to be this creepy lizard alien thing. Mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty excellent fighter, too. Mm. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Well, he takes out Bob like there's, you know, it's easy. Yeah. In this episode, we get uh, a mention of web, the web and the net as different places. And yeah, I well, think how that's did the you first time figure that, that out? Yeah, I, I don't really, how does that work? Because I'm not a tech guru and I thought the net and the web were the same thing. Uh, in, yeah, in certain jargons it is, but it, it to me it implied that the net is, you know, the internal network of server, uh, computers. Say you have an office building with, you know, 30 computers that are all connected through a network. So that would be the net. And then connecting to anything over the internet, the, the World Wide Web, if you will, to any computers outside of those 30 would be the web. And okay. that's the understanding I got from their meanings in this episode because they made web sound like such a terrible place and they were happy that he was from the net yeah so that makes sense then okay yeah which totally makes sense because if you have a network you can control everything that goes on on it but the web you know when you get to the internet is just everything so you could be inundated with god knows what no i agree i can that makes sense to me yeah, but um, I just I, I, I want to talk again about the awesomeness of Fong because, you know, he we've already learned, especially in the last episode, that Fong isn't a strong sprite. You know, his power is his intelligence and he stands up to this code master and he doesn't even flinch. Not for one second. He is so incredibly brave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he definitely is a good leader. Without a doubt. So. So what do you think of the Western game? 
follow the game. I thought it was really good. I'm surprised it took this long to get to a Western game. Yeah. Um, cause they hit all the genres pretty, pretty heavy, but, uh, I thought, you know, Bob looked good in Western, um, reboot gear and it made sense um that uh the user could derail the train and it was this whole race to defeat the user slash not defeat the user so i thought it really added to everything yeah i liked the stakes of the game where you know bob was planning on sacrificing himself to take out lens the codemaster by losing the game I agree. And then he realizes that Enzo's there, and he's like, ah, dang it. So then goes and saves the day. Well, I mean, I think that, okay, you take Bob, and, and you've said it yourself that he's just a kind of an archetype of this hero. And he's good at fighting. He's good at flying around and, and doing all this kind of stuff. But there's he's not, like, incredible at any of those things. But what makes Bob Bob and what makes him succeed is the fact that he's able and willing without even flinching to take himself into this game to take out the Codemaster and, and to sacrifice himself, um, which, of course, he'd be sacrificing that whole sector. But he's also sacrificing himself. So I thought that was that's really what makes Bob Guardian Bob that gives him that extra little push. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So the title of this episode is High Code, which is a play on the title High Noon, which is one yeah. of the iconic Western movies of the early 50s, I believe. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, and they, they talked a little bit about um, the Guardian school that he was in at the superhero or superhero, the supercomputer school. <laughs> And um, which I thought that was that was interesting that I mean, you I guess you're a sprite and then you choose to be a, wanting you want to be a guardian. So then you have to go through college, essentially, and train and get uh, accredited as a guardian of sorts. So I thought that was kind of a cool little touch that, you know, the inner workings of mainframe and the supercomputer. Yeah. Yeah. So did you catch the Batman reference? Uh, well, it was obvious. I, w- I was very <laughs> excited about that Batman reference. <laughs> oh, man. Enzo to save the day yet again. I know. He's just perfect for that kind of stuff. I don't remember really caring for this character the first time that I watched it. But since he's such a good source of references and lines, he's he's one of my favorites. Yeah, totally. And he's the one that you know all the kids can relate to and stuff. Uh, and, you know, to piggyback off of that, Enzo is the source of my favorite line this year or this for this episode where he just talks about it. Uh, I believe he was talking about the Codemaster being offline city, which, you know, is nothing specific or, or terrible, but it's just a good mainframe solid jargon, I think. Yeah, totally. That's def- it's it's a very Enzo line. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I love those. So, yeah. What did you think of the Gibson Coal Pike? I thought it was a pretty freaking awesome weapon. It really fit, didn't it? It was it was deadly. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. I don't I don't know like what it reminded me of, but it, it there's something out there that it reminded me of and it was awesome. But yeah, it was just an awesome weapon. I want one. I do too. <laughs> I kind of uh, I just felt like the Iron Man 2 line when he sees Black Widow and he looks to uh, uh, Pepper Potts and he's like, I want one. I mean, that's the same kind of <laughs> desire, I guess. Um, did you notice that the train had the number 9502 on it? I did not. That is, and I, I'm, you know, obviously I looked this up. I didn't know this um, off the top of my head, but it was the episode production number. And, you know, it's just little, little, little tweaks like that that are pretty cool. I like those. Yeah, good little Easter egg for very, very few people to recognize, but totally cool once you realize yeah. them. I mean, and just, I mean, that's why I like going through and doing this podcast. If for anything else, that's stuff that I get to notice now because I'm exactly. paying attention. So, uh, do you have any other references? Uh, there, at one point, there's a crate that says the gimp keep closed at all times, which could be a reference to Pulp Fiction where there's a gimp, but I don't know why this show would reference Pulp Fiction. When did Pulp Fiction come out? Uh, I think it was 95. 
So it would have been around so, the same time. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. I, did, I didn't notice that. Year before. 94. It came out in 94, so. I didn't realize it was that old. I know. It doesn't seem like it. But. No. Well, I don't, I don't feel like the GIMP is a proper thing to um, reference and reboot. Right. That's that's kind of my <laughs> thought was on, the, on that. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, do you have anything else, or do you want to jump into ratings? Uh, I do have another quote that it was. Oh, okay. uh, when they get into the game, Bob says, "A Western game. How fitting, because the name of the episode is a parody of a Western movie." That's true. It's and they had a pretty good Western showdown, you know. Yeah, at the end, when yeah. out in front of the Dots Diner, they've got Talon on one side and. Codemaster lens on the other and old man Pearson's like no I will not fight you and then Bob's like yeah you're gonna have to get through us and Dot and Enzo show up I'm like yeah get through us oh your honor is amazing I've never seen such honor I shall not kill you for that purpose which of course is cliche but pretty awesome and it really you know, and I, I don't remember much about Codemasters in the future, so I don't know if they come back. But, you know, it, it adds to that level of the, not hierarchy, but, you know, if you're a Codemaster, apparently you're also very honorable. So that yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah, I, totally. I wanted to see a fight, though, between Old Man Pearson and uh, Codemaster Lens, just, just because. I mean, I understand why it worked out the way it did, but I really wanted to see a fight. It would have been cool. I imagine it would have been something like uh, Yoda versus Count Dooku in the Star Wars prequel <laughs> trilogy. Probably. With Probably. Old Man Pearson just bouncing around all over the place. And yeah. Now, do you think it's the power of the Codemaster that had him grow twice the size Codemaster Lens, or do you think it's his race that was able to do that? I don't know. That's a very good question. Uh, probably not the race. I don't know if that would make sense. I mean, not that it anything really makes sense. It's mainframe. It, it, right. It's a world inside a computer. So. <laughs> I agree. But I, I feel like that's not too far of a stretch that the power of the Gibson Cole Pike would be able to do that just because yeah. it was cool. Yeah, totally. So, um, do you want to go in and rate this? Yeah, why not? Old Man Pearson is Codemaster Talon? That's what I entered the game to tell you. This is it, then. Are you Codemaster Talon? I am the one you seek. I, Lens the Clear Unfolding, Lens the Reaper, High Lens of the 62nd Brotherhood, hereby do challenge you, Brother Talon, to High Spy. Well, I deny you. I quit the guild long before you were co-processed. You can tell the guild masters that I'm out of circulation. I I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Uh, good good introduction to Codemasters, which never really appear again until the online comic, but that's way down the line. So yeah, uh, good references, good Western feel to the show. I'd say 7.5 Gibson coil pikes. I thought you might choose that one, so I had a backup, but <laughs> that was going to be mine as well. Um, I, I agree with you. I think this was, this is kind of when I think of reboot, this is the type of episode that I think of. You know, there's a game, there's a fight, you know, there's there's Bob and there's there's reveals. So uh, I'm also, I'm, I'm going to give it just a little high. I'm going to give it another solid eight, but I'm going to give it eight paradigm shifts. Because that was a power that the Codemaster was able to use. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Good. Why don't you take us into episode three, then? It's over here. Hello, it's supposed to go here. This way. Why do you never no, listen to listen me? listen to me. I'll put it over here. Here. 
Sash, status report. Uh, Sucker Command. Uh, Leech Command. Uh, yeah, that's it's it. in the position. In the place. Well, then proceed with energy drain immediately. Yes, yes sir. sir. Uh, how do we turn this thing what on? What are you asking me for? Well, because. I, I don't remember. Uh, oh, I, I, I used to know. Is this it? You made me forget. Push the button. Push the button. Oh, push the button. No, you yeah, push you it. You push it. Every time I push it, it something bad happens. It doesn't matter who pushes okay. it. Okay, push it. All right, I'll push it. All right, we're going to move into episode 2.03, When Games Collide. The original air date is September 14th, 1995. It was written by Jono Howard and the story by, again, Gavin Blair, uh, uh, Brendan McCarthy, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Lane Riker. The summary is Megabyte has hack and slash inject games with a leech command to siphon power from the gateway command that he's working on. Bob and Megabyte work together in the merge game. When they win, Bob and Dot go after Enzo, who is harnessed and being sent through the now-working portal. They then save Enzo and go home. We have a couple first appearances. We see Bonnyfoot, which is Frank and Binome. Agent Six, it's the first time we've seen him this season. And Binky Sands Algaron. So, Dan, what do you think of this episode? I really enjoyed this episode. There's a lot of great moments in it, like the Stargate uh, Gateway Command, which, which looks exactly like a Stargate. Uh, I've never seen any of the Stargates, so I'm not, I am not—I don't know, but it seemed pretty enough. cool. Yeah, it's just a big circular thing that has an energy field in the middle, and you walk through it and teleport somewhere. It, sure. It's the same thing. Uh, we get to see a merging of two games, which is really cool get a flying pterodactyl bat or pterodactyl yes. airplane thing it's yes. super cool and the the, the tanked t-rex i mean that was awesome i mean all that was really cool i agree with you did you notice that this is a new intro this episode has a new intro to it you know, I had to go back and look at it. I did not notice it the first time that I watched it, and then I read up on it, and then it said it, and I do see the difference now, but I did not notice it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of clips from the first couple episodes and other episodes from this season. It's not, like, anything big. Like, we get a major change later on in the next couple seasons. But, you know, it's the same voiceover, same timing and everything just different images and shots i don't even remember what the new one is like because when i think of the the intro i think of what we're looking at right now so that'll be a new surprise for me too yeah yeah but uh, i i to me honestly i think this was the weakest of the three uh that we uh, that we watched to uh this for this episode of Mainframe. And I don't really know why, because as we go through it, I have a lot of notes, and I really thought it was a lot of cool stuff, but I don't know if it was just a story or something, but when I was going back through and, and re-looking at my notes, I feel like this was the weakest of the three. Fair enough. Yeah, it, it doesn't have a lot of like things that stand out in it, but it, overall it's a pretty solid episode. There's just sure. nothing very awesome about it. I did really like the appearance of the agents again. I really love Megabyte's yeah. agents in 1950 spy gear. That always cracks me up. It's always good. Uh, we get hack and slash for the first time this season, and we get a lot of hack and slash in this episode. Maybe that's why I don't like it, because there's a lot of hack and slash. <laughs> I don't know. But, I, I, you know, they were in charge of the drill that you put on the game, and I thought that drill was really neat looking. They did a mm -hmm. good job. I mean, that holds up. In 2013, looking back at this 1995 computer animated show, that still really holds up. I thought that was a good job. Yeah. The Leech Command. Yeah. Super cool. I think this is... I don't know if this is one of his, like, Megabyte's best schemes, but it's a very interesting one. Using it's a creative. different tactic to try to get his same old, you know, trip to the supercomputer. You know, I, I mean, him coming out of an upgrade, that seemed very Megabyte-esque. Mm -hmm. um, but this was creative. I agree with you. This had a whole different kind of way of going about his end goal. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it slowed down the games that Bob was in, which just reminded me of lag and oh. how frustrating lag is. Maybe that's why this episode isn't that good, because you just feel like it's lagging. God, I remember uh, when we were in Australia and I was playing that Red Alert game you had me borrow, yeah. or you let me yeah. borrow, and I, it lagged one time, and in the time that it lagged, an entire section of my base was destroyed, and I was so angry. <laughs> like, that, that kind of stuff is, is so frustrating even months and years later. So awful. Now, that's something I wanted to bring up. When they're in the game and they're trying to fight that, um, the I don't know if that was the user or what it was, but uh, that laser cannon in the middle of the area, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, well, they couldn't. I mean, they were completely outgunned and outmanned, and they couldn't do anything. The only way they were able to defeat it is the lag that happened, and they were able to slow down, and, and Enzo took his gun in there and used it like a baseball and, and, and killed it. What do you think they would have had to do if it didn't lag? Because they were they were getting their butts kicked. Yeah, I don't know. It would have been interesting for sure. Would have had to somehow sneak up behind it and plant a bomb on it or something. Yeah, well, Bob would probably just use Glitch and tell it to do something, and it'll say Glitch, the win the game. <laughs> That's probably what it'll do. I'm serious. Yeah. Uh, Bob needs some more creativity. He really That's does. Sure. You think they teach that at that Guardian school? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Bob saving Megabyte from the T-Rex cannon? I... First off, the Tankosaurus Rex, as I like to call it, was oh, that's scary a as heck. That is fantastic. <laughs> Tankosaurus Rex. I love that. I would never want to encounter one of those. It was just awful. But yeah, that, it's definitely a great Bob Megabyte moment where, you know, Bob saves Megabyte because he's Bob and that's what he does. He saves people. So then at the it comes back at the end and... Bob's like, you owe me one, and Bob's like, let them go, or Megabyte's like, let them go, and yeah, it, it it's good to see like the honor between them, even though they're mortal enemies, sworn. And but they do respect each other. Yeah. they really do, and I think that's the cool part of it. I mean, and I think that's the difference again between Bob and every other sprite. If Dot were in that position, I think she would have saved Megabyte, but I think she would have gotten something out of it. She would have been like, "I will do this, but you yeah. give me this sector or something." Right. You know, yeah. she would have used it as leverage. And Bob is just concerned, like you said, about saving people, and I think that's why he's the guardian. And even though Dot is you know more intelligent in some ways and then at least the same amount of good at fighting as bob in other ways she can't be the guardian you know because she doesn't have that kind of essence about her and enzo would have tried to save him but would have gotten stuck in the tar with him and then frisket would have had to save him exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man it was so sad when frisket gets caught in this episode I just, I really don't like when he gets caught and when he gets, he went down pretty easy, I think. And as badass as we've seen Frisket in the past, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know. It was kind of got snuck up on. So we'll we'll give it to him for this one. Sure. Sure. I agree. And then Binky to the rescue. Yes, Binky. (laughs) Fair enough. First time we see him without Algernon, which is weird, but you know, not, not bad. Just. Flying the pterodactyl plane. I love that guy. I really do. He's like my favorite little British brino. <laughs> oh uh, we did not see any Toke guy. Did you see him anywhere? I didn't see him. In I any didn't of these see any. I Which hope is he a shame. is not gone. I uh, hope I'm he's sure he's not, not. I hope he's just not caught in first season because I get irrationally excited for Toke guy. <laughs> It's the Canadian uh, did you notice blood when they were, I'm, It probably is. Uh, did you notice when they were going into the archive, they had all these ridiculous doors you mm-hmm. know, of security to get in there? Did you ever watch the show Get Smart? I have not. My dad uh, used to watch it, so I've seen it growing up. It, it's, it's basically a if James Bond worked for you know, a secret agency you know and then it was a comedy and he would goof up all the time you know uh it was it was a really good episode a really good show it's hilarious i think it was in the 60s you know he would always just barely 
save the day. You know, he was smart, but he would always just barely do it. One of his big um, phrases after he would just barely die or just barely live, he'd always be like, missed it by just <laughs> this much, you know. And anyway, so when he would go into uh, their lair, it was it kind of seemed reminiscent of that. They had all these different doors going in. And, uh, yeah, I just that's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah, I can see that. I did yeah, like the. Uh, watch, I think like it. You should watch it. I'll, I'll probably check it out if it's on Netflix. Otherwise, it might not be worth my. There's a movie searching. that Steve Carell and uh, Anne Hathaway did where she's Agent Ninety Nine and he's gets you know it was it was a pretty good movie too. I I can't get over my dislike of Stephen Carell. Really, I didn't yeah. know that. It's just I don't know. I mean, I, he's. I think it boils down to my dislike of overacting comedy, which Fair. is why I don't like Will Ferrell when he's the lead in a movie. That's fair. So, it, I, yeah. I, I'll have to disagree with you. I think Steve Carell fits really well in his type of role, you know, where he's a dry 40-something-year-old kind of humor yeah. guy. No, um, he does he good does. work. I just, I, it's not for me. Mm. Well, maybe you won't like that movie, though, but you should check out the show. It's good. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So the uh, title of this episode is When Games Collide, which is a reference to a 1933 sci-fi novel, When Worlds Collide. I looked up the plot to it, and it's really convoluted, but it looks really interesting. Hmm. I need like, a new book to read, yeah. so maybe I'll look that up. Check it out. It's like a uh, world comes by and is going to crash into the earth so the earth uh all the people of earth get out leave and inhabit the new world but there's two of them and i don't know it's really convoluted but it looked interesting hmm. I, I love all those different kind of references and you when you watch star trek too they have all the shakespearean titles and all sorts of stuff i always like the background behind the reason why something is named something like that so that's pretty cool yeah uh what do you, do you got any good quotes for this episode i didn't write down anyone i did write that there was a binome that had a little bling bling that said swag on it i thought that was pretty yeah. cool yeah <laughs> when they uh steal the uh, what is it? The gateway command from the archives. They, it has a bag that says swag on it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It's good stuff. But no, I didn't have any other good lines or anything. Did you? Uh, yeah, I had to go back and watch it to see if there were any good quotes. And I, I got a couple, but they're not great. One of them is went in the battle between hack and slash the first time they're using the leech command is... They're like, you push the button. No, you push it. Every time I push it, something bad happens. All right, I'll push it. <laughs> that's it, funny. That, that's good. That's true, though. That really fits the hack and slash. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a great moment. And then the other one is after Algernon saves Bob from falling into the ravine, Algernon's like, Bob, what are you doing here? Oh, I just dropped in. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, not not great quotes in this episode. No, but that that's a really reboot type of joke, though. Mm -hmm. So that's true. Um, we did get to see Er Doctor again, which mm -hmm. I don't really care for as a character. I just really like saying his name. Yeah, and we get introduced to Bunnyfoot. The Franken binome. Yeah. He never really gets named, but, but that his name is Bunnyfoot because he has a bunny for a foot. Yeah, that, oh, that's, I love that. That cracked me up. You know, a little Igor kind of megabyte minion. I thought he was cool. I really like that. Yeah, he's a great character, even though he doesn't have a lot of screen time or anything. He's just fun to watch and see. But so, yeah, yeah I, I had nothing left for this episode, but it was, I mean, it, you're right. You know, it wasn't a bad episode. I just, I think it came off the heels of some really strong episodes. Totally. Oh, um, Bob, no hot feelings. <laughs> no! 
Bob, what are you doing here? Uh, I just dropped in. So yeah, what what would you give this? Um, I was gonna give it a lower than um I was. I was originally gonna give it a lower score, but they did. I think it was megabyte said indubitably which is like my favorite <laughs> word in the English language. So just because of that, I'm going to give it six bunny slippers. Nice. Uh, I, I want to give it a five, but it, it's a little better than, you know, just middle of the road. So I'm going to give it a 5.5 leech commands. That's good. That was very good. A Wild West game. How fitting. So, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Mainframe Chronicle. As always, you can leave us feedback by emailing us at mainframechronicle dot or at gmail dot com. We are we have a blogspot page. You could find us at mainframechronicle.blogspot.com and leave us comments there. You could search for Mainframe Chronicle on Facebook and leave us a comment there if you'd like. Uh, you should definitely go over to iTunes and rate us there give us a nice little review and we'll talk about your feedback that's always Absolutely. a good time i mean we want to be as interactive as possible so you, you know any way you want to contact us please do so yeah yeah definitely if there's something that we do that you like let us know and we'll keep doing that if you, there's something we do that you don't like let us know and we'll try to improve it all that kind of stuff we're here for you well, we're here for us because this is really fun, but we're also here for you, and we want to please you. So if, if you want us to do something, let us know. I mean, we've said it before. Our ultimate goal is to make this the best reboot review podcast possible, so we can only do that with you know interaction with you guys and, and, and any kind of um, contact and feedback you want to give us, good or bad. You know, Please let us know. Yeah. And so far, I think we're succeeding in that goal. Yeah, I mean, we are the best. I, unfortunately, we're also the worst. But we're also, you know, the best yeah. uh, review podcast of Reboot on the internet. So, yeah, if you like this episode, or this podcast, you could definitely check out Rogue Arrow podcast and the Cinemasters podcast, both of which I co-host and produce. You could find those by searching the links on the right-hand side of the mainframechronicle.blogspot.com page. Uh, we also have a Mainframe Chronicle Twitter, which we don't use much, but it's there. But we will use it more often if you tweet at us. See, once it starts getting Precisely. used, then we'll, yeah, we'll use it more often. So, yeah, that's at main, MF Chronicle. You can also follow me on Twitter at Amazing Base, Amazing B A S S. And you can follow me at Baby Kangaroo Ninety. Because your name's Joey. Ha ha ha. I'm still really nervous about telling people my Twitter handle because <laughs> <laughs> some people just don't get it, and then they look at me weird. But whatever, I like it. Well, you could just look at them weird and be like, "What? What? <laughs> Bring it." Exactly. I got nothing else. We'll be no, back I don't. in a month or so. We'll be back. You know, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. And Yeah, definitely give us feedback. There's only like 10 or so episodes left, so time's running out. That's true. You know, let us. We, we can't change too much towards the end of the season and series, so go for it. Yeah. Cool. That's all for now. I'm Daniel Janes. And I'm Joey Morse. Stay frosty, my friends. The movie game is a game that Rudy and I play where we come up with 
a starting point and an ending point, and we try to get there using the same rules as Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, essentially. More often than not, it just sort of devolves into uh, a vehicle for which you talk about awesome movies. But yeah, that's sort of the, the bare bones structure from, what, from the way I play it. Yes, so maybe, what are we going to be <laughs> starting off with? Uh, we're starting with uh, Drive. So we're going from Drive to Goldfinger. We're going to connect them somehow. You want to start or you want me to start? I'll say we got the movie Drive. We're going to Ryan Gosling just because he's the only one going to say it. I guess exactly. <laughs> okay, Ryan Gosling is also in The Notebook. Okay. I don't know The Notebook yeah. either. Uh, wait, awesome. who's in that? Someone, um... Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Another name I don't know. So maybe Drive uh, is not the best in, place Oh, no, I got this one. Okay. Uh, Rachel McAdams was in uh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Awesome. Um, that's Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. I think I'll go Vince Vaughn. I feel like he's more okay. connected. Let's go Vince Vaughn to uh, his early work, Swingers. We'll go John Favreau. Uh, so let's go John Favreau to... He was in a bunch of movies recently. He was in um, I Love You, Man. Pretty much all the Marvel movies. He was. He was in specifically Iron Man. And in Iron Man there was... Can we go through... Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Yeah, so either of the... We can go through either of the guys who played Colonel James Rhodes, or we can go through Robert Downey was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. With Val Kilmer? Yeah. Val Kilmer was in... Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer was Batman. In, Val Kilmer was in Batman Forever. Which so was... Which was... Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, Jones and, and, and Jim, Jim Carrey. Tommy Lee Jones. He's got to have been in a movie that we can go through. A lot of people give us crap because they're like, you should be trying to find the shortest route. And it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. No, no. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a great example because we're not stopping and talking about all the movies. But right. that's what we normally do. And that's usually what this game is played for. Okay. So, uh, so we got Tommy Lee Jones. We're going to go with Tommy Lee Jones 2. What was he? He was in something less modern. we got to start moving backwards. He was in the future, dude. Uh, Harrison Ford. Well, that'll get us to um, Harrison Ford, exactly. Harrison Ford's uh, an older actor, which means he'll be in movies closer to that Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Oh, no! Yes, you're right. He played Indy's father, and there you go. Harrison Ford to Sean Connery through Last Crusade to James Bond and Goldfinger. Bam. Awesome. Well... Anyway, so that's that's an example of the movie game. <laughs> Yay, we made it. Check out the Cinemasters podcast at thecinemasters.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Cinemasters Podcast. The Emerald Archer. The Battling Bowman. Ali. Whatever name you know him by, he is best known as Oliver Queen. The billionaire playboy who was stranded on an island for five years forcing him to become the Arrow. Join us as we follow his journey to clean up the mess his father helped create in Starling City. I am Daniel Janes. I'm Chris O'Neill. I'm Laurel Murs. And I'm Rudy Schubach. And you should check out Rogue Arrow Podcast, where we talk about the CW show Arrow. You can find us at roguearrow.blogspot.com or by searching iTunes or Facebook for Rogue Arrow Podcast.